everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Star Wars Time Show, and guess what? It is the Star Wars Time Show. It's not a special topic show, it's the Friday show. Yay! It's Friday, everyone loves Friday, Nick and I love Friday, Star Wars loves Friday, that's why we do our thing on Friday. Well, it's, it's mostly so I can get my buzz on. So I can drink a half gallon of Coors Light pea beer before doing the <laughs> Friday show. That's why we love it so much. Or at least myself and the mouse I keep in my pocket. So it's Matt. It's Nick. We're here. Like I said, we're, we're here to talk uh, all things new in Star Wars land. And unfortunately, people, there, there's not a lot of things new in Star Wars land. So this could be a quick one. But you never know when you get Matt and Nick on the mics how long it's actually going to take because... I could take us down a rabbit hole. Nick could take us down a rabbit hole. You never know where things are going to go. But all we can say is that in terms of the written agenda, the posted agenda for SWT, it's pretty light. And we're going to change things up a bit this week based on some fan feedback. And it's the, the feedback, we, you know, we hashed it out. We had a blood trial over it. And, and we kind of came to a truce, and we decided that, you know, the fan was kind of making sense. And the, the fan was essentially saying, like, listen, guys, we really like what you're doing. We like your topics. We like your Star Wars knowledge, this, that, and the other thing. But maybe you should consider moving the fandom segment, in particular the toy photography love, basically the toy photography we're going to suck everyone's dick segment, move it to the end of the show instead of the beginning that way just pure star wars fans they can get their news they can hear the gas bags being nick and matt give their opinions on the news and then those who want to stick around for the toy photography the fandom stuff they'll, they'll be there in the end because nick in the in the end if you're a real star wars fan you listen to the entire episode of star wars time you're not just tuning in for a segment you're listening to the whole thing. So we're going to try that. We're, we're going to take some of this fan feedback, and it, it, it's from more than one fan. So this isn't just a, a you know, a, a, a monarchy here where one fan is saying, you must do it this way because it's going to be the right way. We've taken the feedback. We're altering things a bit. And, hey, people, if you're just here for the toy photography, I'm going to give you the timestamp anyways, even though I think, that is the inappropriate way to consume Star Wars time because you should literally listen to us for the entire run of the episode because Look, we don't we, fuck around. We have the best opinions. We have the most concise opinions. The right we opinions. The most, we're always right. We're never yeah, wrong. The most accurate speculation and guesses. We've never been wrong when it comes to the plot of a new Star Wars movie. Go back, listen to our TLJ. Right. 100% correct. So, We're essentially this special story group. Yeah. We lead, we give the, the writers, Chris Terrio, Ryan, and JJ, we give them the ideas for the movie. They just execute our vision. Right. So, they don't hear it. Like It's not like they're listening to our podcast, but they feel it through the force, if anything else. Because if we can do anything, we can definitely influence the narratives of Star Wars from our basements. Proven, one hundred percent proven. <laughs> but, uh, All right, man. So because we're not we're we're not going to leave with the fandom, so we're not going to do our usual thing, jumping into the top five. But we're going to get into some of the news that we cooked up this week. Well, we didn't cook it up; people cooked it up for us, and we just decided, you know what, this is kind of interesting. So let's talk about it. And uh, the the first thing we want to riff on here is. Uh, uh, excuse me, outside of me clearing some gas from my system. 
We want to riff on a, uh, I believe the Disney shareholders had a earnings call or a conference call this week. So, you know, Bobby, Bobby I got on there, Bobby Iger, he got on the call and, and dropped some bombs on people's faces. And obviously, we, we don't care about the other Disney bullshit. I mean, Nick does. He, he's a Disney diehard. I, mean, I love but, it. But in the end, we're, we're here for Star Wars, right? Star Wars time. There's always time for Star Wars time. So what Bob revealed, and it, it's pretty juicy because this is something Nick and I speculated on two weeks ago when we got the roadmap for Star Wars, which we now know, and this is horseshit, and we've gone on the record to express that this is horseshit. That we're not getting another Star Wars movie until 2022. So three years hiatus after Rise. Until, before this week, though, we did not know what movies were we getting. Were they going to be Ryan Johnson's new trilogy? Would they be the Got Bros new trilogy? Would they just be some random shit? Maybe, maybe they're like, hey, let's try the standalones again. Who knows? But guess what? We now know what those movies will be, who they're coming from, Nick. So, in 2022, we're going to get the first Star Wars movie, live action that is, from the Game of Thrones duo, which is David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. That is completely unexpected if you, if you ask me. Cause we, if no, we... you're right, man. I, I mean, I, I thought Ryan would have been, because he's done it, been there, done that. Uh, so, I figured he'd be the guy to lead it, but it's almost... To me, it's almost uh, they're they're I don't know if they're hedging their bet, but they're going eh. There's still a lot of poison around Ryan. Maybe we let it let it stew a bit. Yeah, and you know we'll get into it a bit because it seems like these guys have a little poison building around them now. But the other reason that I thought it was going to be Ryan out the gate was because of the announcement times. If we look back pre TLJ release, Disney said, "Hey, Ryan Johnson's got oh, his yeah. own trilogy." Yeah. So it's been out there for a long time, and people were anxiously awaiting, like, hey, you know, what is it going to be about? Has he started working on it? He had another movie that he was working on at the time, just released a few months ago, and then it was announced that he started on his, you know, outlining and story building for his trilogy. These guys, Weiss and Benioff, we learned about them much later, but apparently they've been workshopping and working on this this new series of films for Star Wars for a little bit now, so it seems like oh, they're so that's they're ready. why season that's why season eight sucks. They they basically told HBO like, hey, you know, it's not TV, it's HBO, but yeah. it's also not Star Wars. So we're well, only let's, doing let's seven wrap episodes. This, let's let's wrap this damn near ten year series up really quickly so we can move on to Star Wars. Exactly, like when when you know Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy knock at your door and say, hey, I enjoy what you do on the television, not the big screen. But uh, I think it's time for you boys to move up. You you may shift your schedule a little bit. You may change some some things that you're working on. And look, you know, I'm glad that these guys are doing it. For for nearly eight seasons, they killed it with Game of Thrones. Obviously, there are people out there who have some differing opinions about what's going on now with the with season eight. But I think that these guys have proved over many years, like you said, almost ten years, they are quality makers but okay so let's play devil's advocate nick that was working with curated source material yep i think a lot of people and myself i was a book reader i but here's the thing i didn't start reading the game of thrones books until i saw the show so it's a chicken and egg type of deal for me with game of thrones but in the end to me it's been clear ever since george fat ass 
essentially can't finish the books and kind of left the Game of Thrones guys to finish it themselves, it's not been as good. Yeah. I mean, season six you could question is suspect. Seven's definitely suspect. And now eight is probably the most suspect. So I guess when it comes to Star Wars, Nick, I'm with you. I'm excited. I, I do think they can bring a a quality trilogy or just quality Star Wars movies to the franchise because we don't even know if they are working on a trilogy. I mean, they could just be working on a movie, a movie, a movie. Yep. And that wasn't detailed in Iger's statement, so we have no idea. But I, I, I guess the question is, and the concern from a lot of people now with these two is, okay, we saw what they could do when they have source material to work from. But when they don't, um, yeah. Okay, so this is how I would respond to those people out there who are thinking this. It's a it's a completely different world when you start when you start a show and you have source material, and then you get to a point to where you have to finish somebody else's work, Very which is true. basically what they're doing with George. Like you said, Martin hasn't finished the books. He's probably maybe staying on in like a you know, an advisor capacity saying like, okay, I guess George Martin's a fat piece of shit. Yeah. Like he has screwed us all out. Get that out there. I mean, honestly, uh, the reason everyone hates game of Thrones season eight ultimately is because George is a lazy asshole. Yeah. He had many, many years. Like book five was out when season one was. Yeah. The last book's like 11 years old. Yeah. Like he's had many, many, many years to finish these last books. So it's completely on him. But what I like about this and and what they're doing with Star Wars is it's their story. They're not relying on, you know, Karen Travis. They're not relying on Timothy Zahn or anybody else. Like, they are writing it. So they're not going to get to a point where, like, oh, shit, we don't have any source material to work off of. We just have to figure out how this would end. And, you know, what they're doing with Game of Thrones is basically taking some of the most popular and most well-regarded fantasy novels ever – multi-award winning novels and trying to finish the work of a writer who's still alive and just hasn't done it yet. Like that's almost an impossible task. And especially given the way that Martin writes the sophistication of his style and the way that he treats his characters. Like it's, it's very unique the way that he does everything. So to say like these guys have really dropped the ball, like, yeah, it's not Martin's writing, but they're doing the best with the fact that you mentioned that, they have no source material due to laziness of the author, um, which w- they won't have to worry about in Star Wars. Well, it's their I, I story. Still, I mean, if we're, if we're going to pick on for Game of Thrones, I mean, George gets a, a lot of a lot of this blame. Yeah. But in I, the end, these guys and the cast and crew, they're the ones that pretty much said, yeah, we're, we're done. Yeah, I think. We want shortened seasons. We want six episodes versus ten. And ultimately, that's why we're getting all this fast-forward bullshit, which is just discounted any sort of character growth. I mean, the shit with Danny last week, Nick and I, I think we briefly talked about it on on our special cast. It It's full-on Star Wars now. I mean, Game of Thrones has reached its Star Wars prequel moment, where yeah. it, it's literally just making narrative decisions that aren't justified. Yeah, it's... They didn't give themselves enough time, and I feel like if if Martin had finished his source material, we would see a 10-episode uh, seventh season. We would have seen a 10-episode at least eighth he season. He wouldn't even have to. I, just, I really think this was a case of either HBO being cheap 
and knowing that th- when they had to re-up everyone's initial contracts that they would get blown out of the water because of how popular the show got. Yeah. Or it's a case of the artists being the writers, the cast and crew saying, you know what, eight years in, we want to do something different. Yeah. I, mean, I, I honestly <laughs> think, Nick, those are the two factors that have led to Game of Thrones ending. And I'm telling you right now, people. And you're going to be listening to this after it airs. Game of Thrones is going to disappoint. Its finale is going to disappoint. The writing's on the wall. It will disappoint. I, I think a majority of fans are going to be disappointed with Game of Thrones and how it ends. Yeah. I, I, I think that's an inevitability at this point. There's it, people coming. who still like it, but, you know, there's a lot Dude, of Dude, it, it's like now. I said, I can't wait to watch it Sunday. And I know when I watch it, I am going to be a freak. My legs are going to be shaking. My heart's going to be beating. I'm going to be fully engaged. But I also know by the end, I'm going to sit there and go, I really feel like this could have been a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, it, like I said, like we've said, it's the prequel thing. It's the fucking, it, it's Revenge of the Sith. It's Anakin's turn. It's, oh. Man, I mean, I'm not even a billionaire Hollywood creator, and I know that I could have done this better. I could have written this better. I could have scripted it better. I could have directed it better. The crew and the cast, I feel like, believe that too. Because I just watched a video today. It was a three-minute supercut of a bunch of interviews with with the cast, and... They were being asked, like, oh, what do you think of the last season? Did you film your last scene? How do you think everything goes? And, like, it was pretty clear. And, you know, this could be clever editing on the on the part of the video maker. But, like, in these clips, it seems very clear that the a lot of the cast that they talked to was slightly disappointed in the way oh, that the, season eight yeah, you, you're You're exactly right. I mean, it's very Mark Hamill, The Last Jedi press, press junket stuff. Yeah, like where they they can't just come out and say we fucking hate this because again they're getting paid and they have to promote it, but you can tell just like Mark in his comments that they were not a fan of the direction of the narrative. Yeah, I mean, in one particular clip, I remember Amelia Clark was asked like, "What do you think? Are you happy with how it turned out?" And she literally just started laughing, and then in the most facetious voice you can imagine, says, "Yeah, best season ever." Like it was very clear. So I know, and and that's what worries me now. I mean, we talked about this for briefly before we started recording. Like it worries me that we, we have this, this amazing franchise, this amazing series that's now coming to an end in a less than amazing way. There's going to be a lot of negativity. <laughs> yeah. Nick really is the most positive motherfucker I know. <laughs> Do you hear this guy? I mean, he is Obi-Wan Nicobe. I mean, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, it's it's okay. Everything's good. I'm trying. When, when you know deep down that this fucking season has sucked. I know. Like, when I I watched the, I mean, it was called the, what was it? I don't remember. It was the Battle of Winterfell episode. I watched it with a bunch of people. And, like, I watched it, and I was like. The Long Night. The Long Night, yes, that Because one. you couldn't see anything either, so, yes. I was like, watching it, and I was like, is it, I, I, it, it's is it good it's good right there's fire look at all the shit happening there's all this battle and then like after i watched it i was like this isn't good this was yeah, not dude, good. exactly it's it's just like us going to the prequel i went to the phantom menace 10 times yeah i Man. thought it was fantastic attack of the clones i saw at least three or four times sith, sith i saw at least three times because at that point it's just like dude 
these aren't good. Just stop. They're not going to get better if you keep going. Yeah. And it's the same shit, man. It's been uncanny to see what's happened with Game of Thrones season eight when we when we uh, compare it to what's going on in Star Wars land right now. Yeah. Are you worried, though? Are you worried that the toxicity of the got fandom is going to transfer course. over? Of, with these of guys? course, because what I'm worried about, I'm not so worried about the final product, as you said. I mean, these guys are where they're at for a reason. They're not just fucking bozos that Lucasfilm's like, hey, you guys want to make a movie? I mean, that would be if they said, hey, Matt and Nick, do you guys want to make a movie? Yeah. <laughs> that would be two bozos making a Star Wars movie. So these guys clearly aren't bozos. I mean, they, they've earned the right to make a Star Wars movie. I will give you that. The thing that concerns me, though, is the way that the world is these days where these guys have clearly stumbled on Game of Thrones and there's going to be a, a large contingent of Star Wars fans that will hold that against them. Even if their movie's good, there's still going to be people now that are going to say, this is trash, it's more Disney bullshit, more SHW, or more SJW nonsense, they're forcing down a throat, these guys suck. Right, yeah. Nick? I mean, you know that's where it's going. It's dangerous. It's dangerous times. The, the one thing that I can say... And it's the same argument that we've made for, you know, the the fandom kind of cooling down is once GOT ends, there's going to be, I mean, they're going to have a long time before they're really back on the big stage again. I mean, if Star Wars is their next big project, people are going to have three plus years to cool yeah, down. Exactly. So maybe, you know, I that don't should think... be enough time. I mean, that yeah. that honestly, in this day and age, three years is, is like I mean, a you'll, decade. You'll have 500 more things for people to get outraged about exactly. between now and then. We all, I mean, honestly, we'll have gone through the next American presidential election by then. We could honestly all be dead. Yeah, we could be dead. Or I, I don't it, even you know. know if we're going to see these Star Wars movies, people. That's where I'm at. Like, there. We, we, we could be literally eating garbage out of dumps in 2022, depending if the nuclear holocaust happens exactly. or not. Or, or <laughs> so. melting. Like, you just go outside and the sun's so hot now because we have no ozone. It just fucking melts your eyes or something. Yeah, so. but, you know, I really do think that it's going to pass. And, I like, fingers fucking crossed, you know, after this presidential election, we don't have dipshit in the White House anymore. And then society calms down again. Like... If we if we go back and we look How at how dare you call great leader a dipshit? I know. I mean, oh hell, I, great leader. Oh hell, oh hell, oh. I hell. might have this the FBI, the CIA, and the Secret <laughs> Service now, outside dude. of my window. You're as so, we speak. I mean, fuck that. Bill, Bill Barr himself will be down there. To That's fuck true. You up. That's true. So, you know, maybe it could be a completely different landscape, though. Like you were saying, 2022 is far away, and. You know, there's going to be good shit happen before then, and there's going to be bad shit happen before then. I mean, if so, anything else, maybe we'll get book six from fucking fat ass. We could get book six, and, you know, we also... Point, there, there really was, Nick. Like, we, we talked about this on Thrones time. There's a point where we are all like, hey, who gives a shit about the books? The show will finish the story. It'll be great. Now I'm going, please finish the fucking books, man. Do you think that, do you think that Martin... Do you think that Martin is involved to a point where he intentionally sabotaged the show? No, and he's like, I'm no, going to no, fuck no, it no, so people no. read the books. No, I think he gave them his general outline. But he, he's already been on record saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, stuff could change here and there. And it, it's going to be a little bit different. And he's right. I mean, it's just even when the show was matching the books. And if you're tuning in late, we're talking about Game of Thrones. They left so much out. They did. 
so much out. I, I mean, so no, I don't think he purposely is like fuck you guys because in the end, it, it all builds his empire. He story it, grouped it. He was right. like, hey, you know, it's kind of no, like you, this. You're kind of right. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's how they've explained it. He said, here is what I envisioned for the end, but that's all they've ever had is okay. We, well, let's work to the end. They they never had the all the subplots this guy's had going. I mean, I mean, there, there's a Fagon in the books, literally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. there's another Aegon Targaryen in the books that was not even remotely touched on the show. Just like fucking Stoneheart, this, that and the other thing. Lady so, Stoneheart was completely left out. Yeah, right. I mean, but the show was so damn good for so long. I really was fine. Like, hey, you know what? Fuck you, fatty. It's your fault. You fucked yeah. up because you're fat and lazy. I'll take my ending from the show. And now I'm going, yeah, I'm just going to. The book ending, please. Yeah, yeah, we'll give we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I'm gonna get the show ending, which is probably gonna spoil a lot of the book stuff. But I know for a fact now. I mean, there's there's no question in my brain. The books, as most people say, are gonna be ten times better than the live action. Yeah, I think so. All because of these last three seasons. In terms of these guys, and I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot. What do you want to see from them? Like, do we one hundred percent? I want Kotor, man. I mean, okay. I am, I'm, I'm fully in on that. I think these are the guys that do it. They, they've obviously had ten plus years experience. Because of me, Nick. Let's be honest. Kotor has always been kind of the, 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 the medieval, the, the fantastical side of Star Wars. Yep. Um, it was very much into. I, I believe that's where you got the term Jedi Knight, right? The knights. Yeah, uh, the good guys, just like the knights in Game of Thrones. So I think they're they are a natural fit for that time period, and I think the time period has, I mean, not has it is ripe, ripe for the type of storytelling that Disney and Lucasfilm has told us they want post Skywalker saga, and that is unique, brand new. Fuck the Skywalkers. This is what it is. I 100% agree. Now, here's another question. These guys have made their bones off of not being on the edge, being over the edge in terms of violence, in terms of sexual content, in terms of language, everything. When you work in Star Wars land, you have to you have to ride that PG-13 car. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have to be on that edge. Yep. And I and I've said this before. I think that if you can write uh, a kid's movie that wins an Oscar, you can write anything. But do you think that these guys coming from television, making award-winning television, but in such a way that is so beyond the pale, can they pull it back and have the same success? Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind they, they can scale back. Star Wars has never been a sexual or a sex type of universe anyway, so... Yep. I think the biggest thing would be how how would they handle violence, especially if it was KOTOR, where you're going to have these... You would think you'd have larger-scale battles, just like we've seen in Game of Thrones, of good guys versus bad guys, except they'd be waving laser swords at each other. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still going to have to keep it PG-13. If yeah, we I were mean, in a dream world, rated R Star Wars, to me, sounds like, honestly, heaven. It does, but we know that can't happen. It's never going to happen, man. I mean, it's just, it, it will never happen. I would love it. I think it would be very intriguing. I think it would be something that people would flock to ultimately. 
uh, but it's not going to happen. I mean, just just do just. We almost have to do a special topic on an R-rated Star Wars movie. Yeah, and just coming up with what would that even entail? I mean, the, the sex, violence, rock and roll. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, I, I'm I'm almost popping a chub just thinking about R-rated Star Wars. What's interesting about the possibility of R-rated Star Wars is that language wouldn't be a thing because all of the profanities that's in Star hey, Wars land, you motherfucking nerf herder. Yeah, like nerf herder <laughs> could literally be like you son of a bitch in Star yeah, Wars, and exactly. they could say it to a kid, and we would never know. So, like, language wouldn't even be a problem, but oh, you, you nailed it. Like, it's, it's are they going to be able to chop off people's heads like we saw in fucking AOTC? Because that's about as violent as Star Wars ever got. Like, you saw fucking Django Fett's head fly off and roll across the ground, and that was it, but it was in a helmet. So... And there's no blood because sabers no, cauterize. Yeah, exactly. The only time you ever see blood in Star Wars is Episode Four, when before he decided sabers cauterize, and then he went back and retconned it. He's like, "Well, lightsabers have power levels." <laughs> yeah, so that's a, good, that's a good call there too. Yeah, yeah. I guess I mean Luke and Empire. His his eye got a little bruised Banged up and up. bloody, but yeah. I mean, there's uh, it is nuts to think about, it, and that that could be something to throw. Uh, excuse me, people. I'm just a pig. That could be something to throw in our little special topics queue, though, is just kind of riff on what would an R-rated Star Wars be. Yeah. So Nick and I, we're doing it right now. I'm telling you right now. I'm committing it. I'm actually going to put it right into it, the uh, cast right now. But we are going to come up with an R-rated Star Wars movie. That will be a special topics cast. I don't know if we're going to act it out or script it out or at least give our main plot points. But, yes, we're going to riff on R-rated Star Wars. I like it. I like it. I think that we can come up with some good stuff here. But I am super excited for these guys. I'm glad that they're going to be the ones kicking it off. They're fresh. They're they're coming off of massive success. Success like we've never seen on TV before. And this isn't even cable. This is fucking premium television. And they've become the most successful TV writers of all time. Like, almost undoubted. Like, you can argue that them and Larry David are, like, the two most successful or three most, considering it's a duo, successful TV writers of all yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably give it to him just because of Seinfeld and then Curve. Curve, but. yeah. But it, these guys, they know how to write material, even if they're working off of source material. And what's important is the, the visual, the visceral like the viscerality visceralness whatever of, of their content i like is, i like viscerality i don't think it's a real word but i, I like it it sounds good it sounds yeah, good it's almost like virtual reality but viscerality it's i like the sound of it. i might i might yeah. go to to the dictionary merriam yeah, webster no, and fuck say, it. just just, just urban way. dictionary that shit I yeah mean, i'm sure you, i think you can just write those in pretty much yeah it's almost like wikipedia but their stuff <laughs> would fit perfectly i think their style fits perfectly in a star wars i'm excited to see it 2022 can't come fast enough i want to see there's only one thing that i said that i want to see that i i want to see more than two sith i want to see more than two jedi i want to see a primary character that uses two lightsabers in a live action yeah, star wars yeah movie. I, I think that's the <laughs> most important thing is dual dual wielding dual wielding i mean we, we've seen so more than one cool. jedi and it, and it looks like a circle jerk so i yeah. mean at this point just give give me dual wielding dual wielding either sith or jedi i mean come on I, I'd almost prefer Jedi because then you could get a color mix because, you know, yeah. Sith, their basic asses will just use two reds. Yep, they'll, they'll rock the two red. I know that on my KOTOR playthrough, I'm a, I'm a dual wielder and I got a green and I got a blue. 
So it's it's a fun little it's a fun little duo. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. And really, people, that is the only news that we got this week. I mean, we had some small drops around like the Disney uh, D23 Disney Hall of Fame. They announced some people going into there, but it's really not uh it's not huge it wasn't any kind of huge news we got robert downey jr added to the disney hall of fame we have uh ming na win which is very interesting she is the actress from agents of shield excuse me uh she plays melinda may she's going into the hall of fame you have john favreau john favreau the creator the proper creator of the mcu by introducing iron man and robert downey jr to everybody in the on the planet um, and then also, uh, John Favreau now known for bringing the Mandalorian to life. I mean, that that's, you know, important and huge on its own. So, uh, in terms of star Wars news, not very much, but we do have one special topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, and it's something that Matt has been working on for a while. We've been hearing him talk about it, talk about GPM. this special project. There it is. 20th anniversary time is upon us, Matt. And you hit us with the big project. Break it down. Let us know right. what you so, did here. So we're, we're not really going to kind of talk about the, the project that I've been teasing. I mean, we want to commemorate TPM. It, it's literally, by the time you're listening to this, the Phantom Menace will be 20 years old. And that should make a lot of you feel really fucking old. I mean, yeah. I, was, I was 18 when it came out. So do the math. I'm essentially 60 now. Uh, it, it's... And you know what? It, it is something, it is a moment in Star Wars fandom where I'm going, you know, this is a big moment. I mean, the Phantom Menace, for whatever you want to slice it up as, this was the the reintroduction of Star Wars to a lot of people. Uh, thousands, millions of people, if you will. I mean, we, we even got some comments, Nick based on the the editorial put out going hey yeah these movies are what introduced me to star wars and nick and i have been talking about this i mean sometimes for people like us especially me you know pushing 39 this year i mean i grew up with the ot that that's star wars for me that's why i love star wars prequels came around i was fucking jazzed for them clearly i mean it's new star wars it's gonna tell the tale of anakin and how he became darth vader i mean i was like oh i mean (laughs) there's a point in life where i literally was saying hey if there's a god out there just let me live until i'm 25 years old if i can make it to 25 i'll be good because i'll at least have seen george's vision for the skywalkers right it's it's and it it happened and guess what it was basically the proverbial kick in the balls. Okay? It was the proverbial season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got we got Game of Thrones finale season verse before that even existed. As we've said, Game of Thrones is experiencing its Star Wars prequel moment, essentially. Uh, but in the end, when I sit back and I reflect on the prequels, I can't help but still have fond memories of the Phantom Menace. I'm not going to lie. This this isn't bullshit. This isn't clickbait. This is not an act. To me, the Phantom Menace is heads and tails above Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith in terms of quality, in terms of what it, it brought to the Star Wars universe as a whole, 
in terms of 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 narrative this that and the other thing so so that was the gist of the video that nick was talking about i basically stated my case i gave you seven reasons as to why the phantom menace is not the worst star wars movie and nick at first he's like dude I don't know about the title. I was like, I get it, man. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. It is what it is. But if you literally, and I'm telling you people right now, because I got a lot of the same stuff on, on Instagram because I shared on my personal. I got some people interacting there, which, by the way, I love. This is why we do what we do. This is why we create content is for you guys to interact with it, either yes. in a negative or positive fa- fashion. That's great. But I was getting people nicked, same thing as you, like, oh, dude, I mean, what do you mean the worst Star Wars movie? Clearly Attack of the Clones is. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> search it on the internet. I'm not fucking around. Like, the reason I wrote the post the way it is is because if you search the worst Star Wars movie of all time, the first two or three sites list The Phantom Menace as the most egregious. Okay? Uh, yeah. That's why that is the initial motivation behind me doing this whole post, Nick, was that's wrong. I mean, that is blatantly like these these fuckers just saying Phantom Menace is the worst. That is that is wrong. It was wrong to me. It needed corrected. That's why I did it. Yeah. Is the Phantom Menace the best prequel? Of course it is. But it's also not the worst Star Wars movie. But, hey, in the end, Nick, what were we getting with this post? I don't know if you've looked on Instagram or even YouTube. Fuck TLJ. That's the worst fucking we, movie. Disney fucking sucks. And yeah. I just, you know what I said? I was like, all right, I did my job. Yeah. I did you, my job. You got it right. I mean, we do. We got we got comments on Instagram. We even got comments I believe on uh, on the Facebook posts we put oh, dude, up. Oh, and on YouTube. Like, like today YouTube on YouTube, well. there's comments yeah. like, "Why well, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are awesome. I'm just going, well, you're clearly a fucking idiot, but that's and okay. <laughs> and it's funny when you think about it. When we think about, you know, some of the reasons that people say, and I'll propose this to you because you, you came up with the, you know, you put it out there. And I agree with you. I, I do not think well, that I, I don't want to I want to I want to commemorate TPM in a different way, though. But I, I do. I am glad we're kind of talking about this. Yeah. So would you could you argue with the fact if somebody said the reason I think TPM is the worst is because it set the precedent for how bad these these movies are going to be no like, no no that that's it's that's not even a valid argument to me because you look at the quality of tpm and then you immediately go to its successor attack of the clones it's it's not even close like it, it, the, the quality level is not even close attack of the clones is so fucking bad dude <laughs> it is it, i mean we're talking cinematically bad star wars bad anything bad yeah you can't you can't blame Attack of the Clones issues on the Phantom Menace at all. Okay. No way. All right. Attack of the Clones is literally in a, in a league of its own in terms of bad, like Star Wars bad or just bad bad. It's both. It's Star Wars bad and it's bad bad. It is. It's, it's... there's there's nothing <laughs> positive, dude. It, name one positive aspect of Attack of the Clones. <sighs> I there's will no, say this. Nothing. I will say this. Similar to one of your points from the TPM, I Dooku being introduced as a character, bringing not even the character of Dooku, but Christopher Lee, a a, a legend, 
of, of acting. Like there is no, you could argue that there is nobody with more um, impressive resume in acting. No, no. Than I mean, the guy Lee. had like 150 credits and he was yeah. in massive movies. So similar to the way Ray Park introduced us to Maul, we got, we got Dooku. Dooku was not great in the movie, but as okay, we mentioned. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You answered your own question for me. I know. You did it, Nick. You're, you're exactly right. I knew where you're going. Dooku, yes, potential to be a fantastic Star Wars character. He's got the Jedi history. He got so disenfranchised, became Sith. He's almost a roadmap for Darth Vader. Yep. But just as you said, he is a extremely uninteresting character. He is a badly uh, scripted character. He's basically a bozo. Yeah. So yeah, no, he, no, it, it, he does not even come close to Darth Maul. He's just yeah. I mean, the way that they used him, they really could have used him in such a better way. But you know, at least again, as with all prequel material, the the cartoon series. I was have... gonna say. I was gonna say. See Dooku in the Clone Wars. Yes. Yes. So just like see Anakin in the Clone Wars, see Obi Wan in the Clone Wars, see everyone in the fucking Clone <laughs> Wars versus the live action movies. It's not even close. But as I said, if you want to get into that, please watch the video on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube.com/slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, it's not long. I mean, it's under eight minutes, and I, I just I highlight seven reasons as to why I believe TPM is not the worst Star Wars movie overall and definitely not the worst prequel. In fact, in my opinion, it's the best prequel because of these reasons. Uh, and eventually I'll probably get into why Revenge of the Sith is not the best prequel because I know a lot of people think it is. But I, quite frankly, think it is ultimately the worst. I know that's blasphemous to say when we just took a big steaming pile of diarrhea all over Attack of the Clones which it deserves. I mean, Attack of Clones should always just have its mouth ready to eat corn-filled shit <laughs> because it sucks. It is a pile of vomit. It truly is. Truly is. From it's top terrible. to bottom, it is fucking shit. But I will always contend that the fact that Rots takes my homie Anakin and just completely fucks his transition, I can never forgive that. Yeah, I can never was, forgive it. I can't it forgive it. Just like I'm having a hard time coping with season eight. If we want to like compare nuts to nuts, Danny's turn from the breaker chains to I'm gonna murder babies. It's identical to the chosen one. I'm gonna go ahead and murder fucking Padawan kids. True. It just Good. none Good of point. it's backed up. None of it's justified. It doesn't mean that the movie is 100% trash, but in my opinion, because of how it fumbles Anakin's turn, it gets zero credit. It, it's it's automatically a turd bag. See you it's later. A, TPM number one. Matt's a he's a college professor, and this is a pass fail for him, and it's it's a hard fail. Exactly. There's just <laughs> there's there's no way of of justifying rots the way it plays out. It, it just it's bad from top to bottom. It's just not a dumpster fire, which is Attack of the Clones. True. But like you were saying, so, yeah, anyways, pay... what we want to do. I mean, The Phantom Menace, by the time you listen to this, this motherfucker has turned 20 years old. So hard to believe. It's insane. I mean, Nick was probably a I was fucking, 11. 
He was like a kid. I was. I mean, I he was. probably didn't even know what it was like to jerk off yet. <laughs> That's how young he was. Accurate, accurate. Right, right. Eleven, so, eleven so years old. We tiny just wanted neck. we <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny weeny, tiny everything. <laughs> we we just wanted to kind of go over some of our our favorite moments from the Phantom Menace because as much as you want to make fun of it. It definitely has some standout moments. And as I've said multiple times on record, it's my favorite prequel. So, Nick, I guess the first thing that stood out to me when I first saw this was seeing Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and, and their Jedi abilities, in particular their, their super speed. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. nothing we ever knew about. I mean, we, we've heard from Obi-Wan that Jedis were these fantastic figures they're righteous they use sabers and not blasters but we, we didn't really know shit it, it wasn't until we saw qui-gon and obi on the trade federation ship doing their thing that we realized like holy shit, i mean these these guys are fucking superheroes yeah quite literally the only time we ever see jedi speed used in or force speed used in a movie <laughs> yeah, literally yeah in the that, first that. five minutes of tpm <laughs> and that shit would have so came right, in handy dude, you're so right. <laughs> that shit would have came in handy for a lot of jedi during order 66 <laughs> anyway you're so anyway. right you just shit all over that point yeah it's useless because that's another one of the george's things where he's like all right well it did exist at one point now it doesn't yeah, everybody just forgot how to do it after that one scene. But it was. It was really cool. Like you said, it established what was talked about in the the original trilogy. Say, Obi-Wan saying how amazing it was to be a Jedi. All of these different things. I mean, it's, it's the first time that we ever got to see true Jedi power outside of just like a force pull. Or, you know, what we saw in Empire when... When Vader is throwing all of the the pieces of fucking Bespin at Luke before he flies out the window, like that's really the first real, I guess you would say, special effect that we've seen with with a Jedi. Before. Yeah, I mean, it definitely hinted that they're more than just this old man in a cloak poking a laser sword at another old guy in a cloak. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, that that was really our our introduction. I mean, we we saw Luke doing some slapstick with his dad, but that was about it. Here, these motherfuckers essentially turn into the Flash. Yeah, <laughs> and as Nick said, they forget how to do it after that. But but we got to see it, so you know that was cool. Obviously, another great moment from the Phantom Menace was the introduction of Darth Motherfucking Maul. I mean, we, we've talked about it at length. There's no reason to really go into it, but. The first time he's introduced, when Sidious is like, oh, I'll send my apprentice, and you hear those drums like, da 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 and then the Moidians are like, oh, fuck, there's two of them? Darth like, Maul. Fuck, we just fucked this shit up. Yeah, we thought I mean, we, were, we were just doing a deal with one of these hooded assholes. Now they got another one. And then, obviously, Darth Maul goes on to be one of the greatest, if, if not the greatest behind Palpatine and Vader, Sith of all time. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that people, we really didn't know too much about. Like, people went into TPM and the prequels in general just thinking, like, you can't beat Vader. Like, Vader's the best. Vader's the best villain you could ever do. But when we got introduced to Maul and we saw his, just what he looked like, his his, his persona, his visage, he looked brutal without even having to do anything. These horns, Zabrak horns sticking out of his head, Sith tattoos all over his face. The, the, the first introduction to the Sith eyes as we know it now. You look in Darth Maul's eyes and you see those red with yellow around the iris. Like, just the, the overall 
look of that character was so menacing. And then when we get to see him in action, he lives up to what he looks like. And that was the most important thing is you can have a character like that look real badass and then flop when it finally comes to seeing how they how they present I mean, themselves. Dude, in this day and age, based on how Anakin was handled in the prequels, I almost look at Darth Maul as being the baddest ass Sith of all time. Yeah, I mean, first in Jedi terms of kill like phys- in terms of like physical abilities. Yeah, I mean, un- unquestionable. I feel like if if it came down to, you know, Darth Vader versus Darth Maul. No, I see. I th- I still think Vader, I think Vader win. wins. It, just, it wouldn't look as cool. Vader wins purely because he, I believe, without a doubt, that he was stronger with the Force course, than Maul. Of course, and he but would Maul, just, I think Maul would at least cut off his, two of his legs and an arm. Yeah, like before Vader finally just breaks down and says, like, I can't beat this guy in a lightsaber battle. I just need to crush him with the Force. I think Maul would have him. And then also, like I was saying, Maul had the first Jedi kill on screen. I mean, if you think about the entirety of the OT, yep. he had no Jedi kills. He had two Jedis. Dot. No, that's not true. Vader did. Oops, my bad. Vader well, episode four. I mean, I mean he, really though? Did he though? It's like, did he kill? Like he, that was literally a sacrificial moment. I don't. Right? I mean, count? because does it count? unless we go to SC the SC thirty eight reimagining where they actually show the saber singe his robe. Yeah. Because they don't in the movie. I I don't know, man. I I I still think Obi wan I would give the, I would classify that as a sacrifice versus a Sith killing a Jedi. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree with you. It was definitely because like he holds the saber up. He's like, I'm going out right here. This he is, doesn't. Yeah, like oof. it's not Vader's blow that kills him. Obi literally disappears. Yeah, exactly. And with with Maul, he beat Qui Gon in a duel, in a straight up one v one. Stabs him through the beat. fucking heart. Yep. Done. So that was that's a big moment because and, and and Nick not just beat him beat him easily like yeah. it, it was a game I mean it, it was easy for Maul to fucking kill Qui Gon one on one and then like even going back to the to the one v one with Obi after that like he still easily you know well he lost because he he got the the dark side arrogance exactly he was taunting him he was taunting him and it gave Obi enough time to collect his thoughts feel the force, realize that Qui-Gon's blade was up there, and then there you go. Yep. So unquestionably the best lightsaber duelist that we've seen in Star Wars on the big screen, in my opinion. You know, this this guy was right. fantastic. So, uh, really, to me, he he's the deal breaker for anyone that says that TPM's the worst. I mean, Darth Maul instantly makes the Phantom Menace better than the two prequels. Yeah, yeah. It's a good call. Solid, solid call. All right, next up, and this is just, I love this this character. I've loved him since day one, and I really think this was a fantastic debut. And I'm talking about R2's debut, because what does R2 do the first time we see him in Phantom Menace? He does what we've always known him to do, and that's save the motherfucking meat bags. Yeah, I mean, he goes up on top of the Queen's Cruiser when they're going through the blockade, getting shelled to death like they everyone every other astromech gets blasted this motherfucker's like whatever i'm gonna do it it's like i can get these fucking shields back up gets the deflector shields back up they make it off of naboo and there we go i mean it was a beautiful beautiful moment finally we get to see the heroics it just i mean really it just reinforces the tone that was set with r2 in the originals and it's that without r2 basically everyone would have died yeah, pretty much. If that shield doesn't come up, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, the, the uh, Queen, all dead. 
I mean, look, look at everything R2 has done. I mean, if he wasn't the one to get them on the escape pod, it's over. Yep. I, yep. I mean, he's the one he's that fixes the hyperdrive in let Empire, him, or it's over. Led him to Ben Kenobi in yeah. the beginning of, you know, A New Hope. Luke so would have been it, fucking crisp. Exactly. I mean, R2, in the end, is the true hero of the Star Wars saga. 100%. All right, so a lot of people make fun of Jake Lloyd for his portrayal of Anakin in The Phantom Menace, and, and I kind of look at it the opposite way. I'm like, listen, it was a kid playing a kid. Yep. So, yes, he's going to come off as a kid. Yeah, he's not but, uh, supposed to be a professional actor. Exactly. <laughs> like, but I will tell you, there is one moment with Jake Lloyd's Anakin Skywalker where I'm like, okay, there's, there's some legit emotion going on here. I, I could see what George was hinting at and how this could lead to Anakin falling off the wagon. And that's the moment where Anakin leaves with Qui-Gon to, you know, pursue his Jedi training. And if, if everyone remembers it, like he says goodbye to his mom, he's walking away, but then he's like, oh, you know, my mommy, and he runs back. And to me, I really, to this day, I feel like that is a genuine moment. It's a it's a somewhat emotional moment coming from a prequel, which is huge to say in and of itself, because the prequels to me are devoid of emotional moments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Nick, like I said, I mean, that that is that is one moment where you can see like Anakin leaving his mother will affect him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we go back and look at the things that should have led to Anakin's fall that did, you know, led to Anakin's fall, but weren't portrayed well. One of them was, you know, the fact that his initial reason for leaving and going with the Jedi, like he literally tells his mother, like, I'm going to become a Jedi and I'm going to come back and free the slaves. I'm going to save you, mom. He says that I'm going to save you, mom. Like, and you know, that moment shows that the emotional attachment for this child is still very high. And that's one of the things that Yoda and uh, Mace Windu had called out during his training is that he is very emotionally attached and he has problems with letting go of the people that he cares about. And that's the first time we see it. And it, it does like Jake Lloyd plays that. Well, the actress who played Shmi reciprocated. Well, so they they, they good, tell that well there, and then they just fuck it up for the rest of the movies. So like, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. Like they were establishing that Anakin being not even taken, like willingly leaving his mom, but his his dedication and his promise was one of the factors that led him to do some dark shit. But we don't really get that ever in the live action. So poo on that. <laughs> All right, the next one I put here, I, I cheated, but it, it's a it's well worth cheating for this one. And I just said, anything featuring Sheev Palpatine in The Phantom Menace is great, and I, 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 I'll stick to that. I believe in that. I mean, anytime Ian's in that movie, he makes it ten times better. Yeah, I mean, Ian alone i mean the fact that ian's coming back for tross is just an amazing thing and it's something that all Star he's Wars the best love. actor in the phantom menace behind liam i mean he, he and liam are like the only ones it even i love you and but even him he's a little wonky yeah yeah but i think uh, I, 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 you, ian mcdermott gives the best performances for what he was given in the phantom menace yeah and it's it's really cool the way that he plays it because he is playing this two-faced character you have the congenial chief palpatine that you're talking about but then you also have the menacing darth sidious and that's some you of his watch best your career with great interest yeah <laughs> that was a rough one but <laughs> <laughs> But when he does take on the persona of Darth Sidious in those, uh, perfectly. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, he hits. You watch that, and you're like, that's the fucking Emperor from uh, Return of the Jedi. That's the Emperor right there. I know that guy. Like, he I just is like the when one. George was playing it back in the days, like, oh, yeah, I don't know who Sidious is. Dude, you know what's funny is if you look at the credits for ROTJ, the Emperor isn't even dubbed Palpatine yet. He's just titled as Emperor. The Emperor. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not Emperor Palpatine. It's not Darth Sidious. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, the the, there's literally, yeah. there was people, and yeah. there was also George playing along back then, the prequels, going like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know it's, who Sidious could be. It's clearly the same fucking guy with just a hood like, over his head. What, what like, do you mean who it could be? It's fucking Palpatine, you it's assholes. Like, who are you playing to? Like, are you playing to, like, I don't I don't want, like, children? Clearly, that's who it was going towards. He they said even, it multiple Even at times, the end like, of The Phantom Menace, I mean, they make it clear that Palpatine is Sidious when they literally said, oh, I wonder if we got the master yeah, or, or the, the apprentice. And, and it, it literally just zooms in on fucking Palpatine. He's like, Oh, yeah. I wonder. Fuck. Yeah. That, but anyways, yeah, that I, I just I really felt like she you could you could really see in TPM how masterful the guy was at, at laying out his 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 strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So anything. All right. Next one, dude. And this people may laugh at it, but I, but I still contend this is one of the coolest looking sounding vfx segments action set pieces if you will in all of star wars and that's the pod race pod race is iconic at this point in star wars and it's hard to say as we've been you know pointing this out as we go along it's hard to say that anything in the prequels are iconic but like pod race was so popular that we had video games made out star wars pod racing like that was arcade (laughs) fucking cabinets built as anakin's pod racer yeah, and it, it was something unlike we've seen in Star Wars before. I mean, this was a fast. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly. We, we've set. never seen up until that point, and I think that's what makes it special. I mean, yes, Star Wars has always had action action set pieces, but as Nick said, we've never had something like this pod race. It was. It's fast. It's you're constantly in a state of like, who's gonna crash? Like the moment when. Him and Sebulba are sitting there, and they're going at each other, and then Anakin loses one of his engines. You know, that was a well, very yeah, the, the one scene. that Sebulba fucked in the first place. Yeah, like, you know, that whole scene was very tense. It was, it was amazing to see the special effects that they used to, like, make you feel the race itself, but then also those moments of tension between him and the other racers feel important. It doesn't feel like, oh, well, he's just clearly the best. He's going to blow everybody out the water. Like they, they stuck with what they said in the beginning. Like when, when, you know, Qui-Gon said, oh, he's going to drive it for me. And everybody laughed at him. Like though it felt, you know, warranted that they were laughing because Anakin was good and he was the only human that could do it. But those other racers out there were definitely up to his level, if not better. And well, of course they're better. But but as you as you were kind of getting at Nick, this it was a great scene to also showcase Anakin's innate or, or natural abilities. Exactly, exactly. So so, so again, like oh, let's make fun of TPM. But really, if you really look at the beats and the narrative it tells, to me, it really does the best job of the prequels of setting up this character. Yeah, I of think setting up the world of setting up the politics, this, that and the other thing. But but the, the pod race, I mean, yes, it, it had the drama, the tension. It looked awesome. But Nick, to me, I think even back in 99, 
my favorite aspect of the pod race was the sound. Yeah. I mean, they, they went they went nuts. Skywalker Sound went nuts with this in making every engine unique sounding, mm-hmm. uh, giving you kind of that virtual sound as, as they were passing by. You could hear it go through your right ear, out of your left. Uh, I mean, to this day, I, I can hear Sabalba's engine like that. And then the music, and it was just, it's, it really is one of the best action scenes in all of Star Wars. Yeah, it's fantastically made. And again, like. And that, uh, dude, I almost fell out of my seat saying something that positive about a prequel. <laughs> and it like the thing is is if you go back and watch that and you remove the context of the other movies and you watch that scene you're like holy shit like there can be some amazing things in these prequels like if this if George can build this out of nothing if he can create pod racing and then put together a scene that brings it to life like this I like you could watch that and say like these next two are going to kill it like these next two are he's really going to knock out the park dude. Like, and then what he tries to he tries to fucking essentially remake the pod race in the beginning of Attack of the Clones with that fucking crazy, ridiculous speeder chase through Coruscant that looked like just a CGI dumb, mess. That like, I, I dude, I'd almost contend at this point if, if AOTC and Rots were never made, I would probably consider TPM as one of the best movies ever. I don't know about that, but <laughs> like, I still think if I'm gonna list it out. I, I have to put TPM. I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta be the it's the best of the prequels, but I can't I, I can't in my heart put it above anything else that I've seen Star Wars. I can't like it. It might be like it and Solo are very close. I think oh, dude, Rogue yeah, One I'm is not better. Saying, I'm not saying like it ranks up there with any of the originals. Yeah, but I, I think you could slide it within the top six. Yeah, you might be able to slot it in a top six. Like it's, if uh, let me let me try. I'll do Empire, ROTJ. No, I'll do Empire, Force Awakens, ROTJ, A New Hope. So that's five. That's four. Then I'll go Rogue. And then after Rogue, it's interesting because it could be like a tie. It could be TPM. Could be Solo. Yeah. See. It's so it could be it could be top six. I mean, you're definitely on to something here. You're definitely on to something. So, yeah, I th- I, I can buy that. I can buy that. Point is, I I don't think it's as bad as people want it or want to make it out to be. So, uh, I mean, next one here, and this was kind of a cheap, and honestly, it, this was pure fan service. But I, how could anyone forget the first meeting of Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker on Amidala's Naboo Star. You're a Jedi too? Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. I mean, literally, (laughs) Qui-Gon, Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, that that is, come on. Yeah. That's what the prequels, to me, were supposed to be for moments like that. Yeah. Not what we got, but moments like that. Hey, Darth Vader, meet the guy that essentially fails you. And... It's not like you don't have it on the list, but I'm going to add this one in. The moment where Obi-Wan commits to Anakin that he will train him. Like, right. you will become a Jedi. Like, I, you know, I, I'm going to take you on as my as my Padawan. You will become a Jedi. Like, of course. that's a big, that's a huge moment. Yeah, it's TPM. huge. Because of what the we know, what we know happened. Yeah. And in the end, Nick, that's what I always wanted the prequels to be is justify 
where we what we saw like justify what we ended up seeing in four five six yeah absolutely we we didn't get that in my opinion so next one here i mean obviously we've already talked about this guy but maul's first attack has to be a standout because nick that is the first time literally we ever saw a jedi fighting a sith yeah, two okay, Jedi Luke, fighting. Luke, Luke was no, I, I, dude. I'm talking about Maul's desert. Attack. Oh, the desert, the desert attack. Yes, right. Yes, because yes. if you look down the list, I've got the one you're talking yep. about coming up. Yep. I'm literally like when he springs off of his speeder and, and starts, you know, jabbing at Qui Gon. We'd never seen that before. Yeah. I, I mean, when Luke fought his dad, Luke was not a Jedi. Luke literally became a Jedi. After he beat his father and renounced the dark side. Yeah. So this is the first time we've seen a true Jedi, a Jedi master, if you will, versus a Sith. Yeah, it was. I mean, and that that also, that, that scene showed you how destructive the Sith could be without even really having any kind of damage done to either party. Like, just when Qui-Gon gets into the ship and you can see... The level of exhaustion. Oh yeah, I he mean, had, like Maul know. was beating him down. I mean, if they would have let that go, I mean, Maul probably would have killed him right there. Yeah, exactly. So, and that uh, was just one bladed. I mean, Maul wasn't even fucking with his bow staff at that point. Yeah, he just yeah he just had the one blade. And again, like just the way that he does it too. He rides up to him like drive by style and just jumps off the bike, and it yeah. comes down on him like fucking Mac Daddy. That's why I love Maul. I mean, I fucking love the guy. Yeah. And Ray Park's a great dude, too. So. Yeah. Uh, next one, I know you, you may laugh at this, but I, I genuinely have positive <laughs> memories of Anakin's time in space in the Naboo Starfighter taking down a Trade Federation starship. I know he's got the corny line, like, uh, now this is pod racing, uh, but if you really uh, just think about it, <laughs> in the context of the way Obi-Wan talked about Anakin's piloting skills to his son. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That is a moment where I was like, yeah, th- that makes sense. That's why Obi-Wan's telling Luke that, you know, Anakin was the greatest uh, star pilot ever known. And I was like, right there. The he first, was fucking 10 and blew up a goddamn fucking spaceship by himself. Yeah. I just, every time that scene comes up, the only thing that I can think of is when, <laughs> when he fucking turns off the autopilot and he's like, okay, let's go left. And then he fucking turns the thing and then he starts doing a barrel. He's like, whoa. Well, think about it. It's literally, I, I I get you, Nick. I get it. But yeah. again, it is a ten-year-old in a fucking starship, dude. If you if it was me, of course a ten-year-old is gonna act that way. I know. Like that's that's exactly what I was about to say. If it was me, I was eleven at the time. So if if that was me in the movie, I would have done the same fucking thing. Like I would have been like, yeah, oh I'd my be god, like, oh, I wonder right. if I can drive it with my asshole. And yeah, I'd be like, like turning my my butt cheeks on the steering wheel. <laughs> Like I, I get yeah. it, but my, my point being is just it, let, let's remove the silliness, the silly lines. It's the fact that this 10-year-old boy, out of an entire fleet of trained pilots, takes down a Trade Federation starship by himself. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, it's a good call, and like you said, it's a good foreshadowing into the original trilogy, and also, you know, kind of brings up, what we see even moving forward into the prequels, his, his proficiency, his, yeah, I mean, one, one of the know. most iconic lines from the original trilogy is that your, your father was one of the best pilots I ever met. Yep. 
Yep. And they had the payoff on that, and I believe they be they began that payoff with this literally kind of corny takedown of a Federation ship. But it also followed into, obviously, the opening of Revenge of the Sith, where he's doing his thing, even though it's Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I it's, okay, let's move on. Uh, Nick already was kind of bringing this up, and obviously this is probably the top, top moment of TPM, the top moment of the prequels, if you will, and that is Duel of the Fates. I mean, the entire sequence from the time the uh, cargo bay doors open and the horns play and Maul flips his hood up and drops his cloak and then they get it on. I mean... This was one of my justifications for why I think The Phantom Menace should not be considered the worst Star Wars movie. It's twofold. It's the song itself, Duel of the Fates, and the actual sword fight are two of the greatest things in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, when you like when you hear the opening horn blast to Duel of the Fates, yeah, and it's just the the. <laughs> The, the location too like the the fact that they chose to do that and that it's 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 going on in like essentially a power plant it was so cool and then again shows the proficiency of maul as a villain not only does he take on one Jedi Knight, he takes on a well, a, a Jedi Padawan and a Master, and a Jedi. He's a, and, and he's essentially jerking off while doing it. Yeah, I mean, like at moments, he literally just like grins at them. He's like, playing like it's a game to him. Yeah, like he kicks fucking. Let, let's, get, face. let's get this. Let's get this straight, people. The only reason Maul lost is because like all fucking bad guy assholes, he got fucking cocky. Yeah, he's just too cocky. He's like, I could beat you guys with one blade. I don't need the dual blade. He, he and... was taunting Obi-Wan, like, slashing at the edge when all he had to do was slash his fucking hand off. Yeah, cuts his fingers off, and there's no more but no, Star he Wars. Wanted to be, he wanted to be a fucking big, big bad. Like, <laughs> I've got you now. It was just, It's aching to the big bad, given their big uh, monologue at the end. Like, I've got you, hero. This was my plan all along. Which gives the hero enough time to take him out, which is essentially what happened here. Yeah, but also what that does is because George chose, like you said, to resurrect this character within the Clone Wars, it gives him that motivation. Like he, he is now ten times the Sith that he was in the cartoon series and he was in the movies, even though he has mechanical legs. Because right, right. you're exactly right of that. Because he now had that fixation of hating Kenobi. Yeah, you know, before... and that's what that's what allowed him to live, essentially. Yeah, in a fucking trash heap, piece of garbage place to live for years until he was able to pull himself out. And just then... like Anakin, he lived, literally kept himself alive through the dark side and feeding off of their hate. Yeah, I mean, it was so just again, Maul. Everything to do with Maul in this Maul, film. Maul, Duel of the Fates, fantastic song. I mean, it, it's a top five Star Wars song, easy. Uh, I mean, obviously, the main title is probably going to be your number one. Imperial March is going to be up there, but I, I really think Duel of the Fates is in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, top five for sure. You could argue top three. I would, right. I would say. So uh, the last one, Nick, as we wind down our, our TPM top moments, and, and this is just, I don't know. I mean, it, this is kind of me being silly, but I'm not going to lie. 
every time I've seen TPM, every time I manage to catch it on TV these days, I can't help but appreciate seeing little homeboy Anakin in his fucking Jedi gear. Yeah. I think it's one of the cutest fucking things <laughs> I've ever seen. If I ever had a son, I would want him to wear that every day. Oh, dude. You you can dress Charlie up in that. I mean, that would be the, the yeah, ideal. Yeah, I mean, I'll fucking <laughs> shave her head and put a little braid in, and there we go. But no, it really is just... It's I, cool I think to see it. Jake Lloyd looked fucking awesome <laughs> in that fucking Padawan outfit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's creepy. I, I just I think I was like, fuck yeah, man, that's fucking Anakin Skywalker. That's it. Yeah, that is your first introduction to Anakin as a Jedi <laughs> initiate. Like that is his first like, step like on the not journey. a robe wearing slave asshole. Like that is my man. Look at him. Look at him. Look at his little belt. <laughs> Look at his little fucking tunic. Look at his little boots. And it's like the the grin that he looks over and yes, gives to Padme. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, he's like, yeah. He's like, you're gonna be you're gonna be loving this dick. He's like, <laughs> he's like you're gonna be loving this dick. Oh man, I I don't know what it is, Nick. I just I, I that that whole ending is ridiculous as TPM is, and the I I love the Gungan song, the circus, the passing of the of the light ball from yeah. from fucking Kermit to Padme. I'm like this is, <laughs> and then little Anakin in his pimp suit. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean the the end sequence. The song is good, and I'm glad that you, you, you know, don't get you don't. That is. It's very akin to the throne room in A New Hope, right? Uh, the the Masasi Temple, yeah, uh, metal ceremony. Yep, yep. Like you, you don't get that in any other movies. Like it really is like the yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I think that like, and you see the fucking Gungans. They're yeah. doing like their street dances and shit. And uh, it's just yeah. I mean, it was that was a really cool. End I love sequence. it. See how, how can you motherfuckers hate the Phantom Menace? Let's go. Come on. Also, let's go. I will say the like one other thing, the the semi explanation we get of the Sith from from Mason always Yoda. two there are mm-hmm. no more no less. <laughs> so you know a lot of people Which out there. Which one did we get? The Master or the Apprentice? And I just I, I do love that thing at like I mentioned before, like at at Qui-Gon's funeral when when fucking Obi sitting there, you will become a Jedi. Like that's a huge moment for me. Like if I look back, you know, aside from dual face, aside from pod racing, the the dual that moment between those two is pretty fantastic. I love it. So yeah, I mean you you hit on everything. Like you made a strong, strong case here for top TPM. I love it. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. I mean, I, obviously we we didn't get the numbers we would want. We're just we're low life at this point in time. But I mean, there were people even on my personal Instagram like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm like, have you at least watched the fucking video because you're essentially making every point I put in the video. Yeah, it's like at least take the seven. And, and that that's <laughs> and Nick. And when it comes down to it, I, I've been cu- creating content for over ten years now. That's just how it goes. I mean, people read titles and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. It's very, it's very difficult to get people to actually consume the content. We can create it and put it out there. It's hard to get people to consume it past the title because a lot of people these days read the title, 
make a knee jerk and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. And we're a we're a content driven site here. I mean, we give you two plus hours of Star Wars podcast content a week. So we're we really hope you guys are consuming. Um, so yeah, this is a pretty fantastic little little piece here by Matt. If you want to see the video, it's out there, StarWarsTime.net. Go see it. Go watch it. Like he said, under eight minutes, great uh, top seven or seven reasons that TPM is not the worst prequel to uh, to the ROTS and the AOTC. And I got to agree with him. He's been breaking me down on it a little bit because when we first started this, I was like, I don't know, man. ROTS is pretty good, but... I think at this point, Matt has gotten to me. TPM is top one. Now, we are finally getting on to the top five Instagram shares of the week. It's the, it's, it's the best part of the show. It used to open it. Now it's closing it. I love it in both spots. And guess what, people? It's not going anywhere. So even if we move it around a little bit, the top five is always going to be here. This week, I wanted to spice it up a little bit. It seems like the Black Series Hot Toys figure arts have really been dominating the top five recently. We had some Lego sprinkled in previously. We have Funkos every now and then. This week, I got a little bit of everything. I got a little bit of Funko. I got a little bit of Lego. And I got a little bit of the standard toys that we've been seeing. So starting starting off the top five, we have a new new member. A new member to the top. And... This is Hawkins Toys, and it's a fantastic Funko hey shot. And this is Lando. I love it. I love it. Solo Lando Calrissian Funko. And the, the facial expression on this pop is fantastic for <laughs> what he's looking at. He's looking at a hollow dancer. So he's got like I a mean, little he, hollow he Essentially, dude, as you said, he looks like he's jerking off. Yeah, he's it's it's definitely. You, you can't see his hands. You definitely can't see <laughs> it, 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 where what his arms are doing. But based on the way he's placed and, as you said, the look in his eyes, I kind of think Lando may have his right hand down his pants right now. Oh yeah, he's looking at a little little space porn here. You I mean you can see the <laughs> is, that, you know. is that a Twi'lek like a Twi'lek yeah. stripper? Yeah, what I think yeah. this is too. I'm gonna call this out, and I don't know if Hawkins, if you listen to this, let us know if this is what's really going on here. This looks like the hollow dancer from Star Wars: The Old Republic MMO because at, at oh, one point in the game, look at that deep cut. Yeah, at one point in the game, you can get a hollow dancer projector that you can just kind of pop up anywhere, and that looks exactly like it. So it could, it might be, might not be, but it, that's the first thing that popped in my head. So very, very fun, creative shot here by Hawkins Toy. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. y- you know, <laughs> you know me and Funko. I mean, we go way back. I- I've been collecting Funko since the brand popped up in 2010 in terms of the pops. By the way, if any of you want some of the 2010 pops, I got them. I'll sell it to you on the cheat. You want the first ever Batman, metallic blue? I got it. 800 bucks. Hit me up. Hit me up. But in, in, in all honesty, Nick, I, I really, to me, being someone that started in Funko photography, I, I understand the difficulties in shooting Funkos. I mean, they are, you can't pose them. They have no moving parts. I mean, their heads, if you're lucky, you can twist the screw around a little bit. So anytime I can see a Funko shop that, as you have said that elicits emotion i know it's a damn good shot yeah and that's what you see in this shot from hawkins toys you actually can look at this big-headed lando and say yeah this this thing's alive it's thinking it has emotions and those emotions may be dirty (laughs) as in you know he wants to play with himself but 
With that being said, as I said, you have this static piece of plastic that you are deriving some sort of emotions from it, and that's why it's a winter shot. I mean, when, yeah. you, when you, you can get static plastic to feel alive, that's a win to me. Plus, yeah. just – Nick, look at the little blue light accents in the eyes the, to uh, yeah. simulate the the hologram he's looking at. Those are the little touches that re- can really uh, elevate a a shot of a static figure like a pop. Oh yeah, and, and even looking at the background of this, it's clear that like Lando's got this popped up in like like a cantina. Like he's he's looking at the dirty stuff in the cantina, probably like in a fucking corner booth. Nobody sees him. He's looking away from everybody. It's a very creative shot. It's a very cool shot, the way that Hawkins staged it, the the background, the even the foreground. Um, very fun. So this this definitely popped out to me on the shares that you had this week. So top top job here by Hawkins Toys, at Hawkins Toys on Instagram. Moving on, we have another grandfather-grandson shot. So I think I featured one of these last week as well. We had a, a Kylo Ren figure yeah. kneeling down in front of Vader. And this week we have both unmasked Kylo and unmasked right. that, Vader. That's what I like. That's what I like. I, yes. I like the unmask, and I also like the duality of the lights. I, I've done this before with literally these characters, but I like the fact that Tanju took it a step further and removed the, the mask from Vader because I think it adds to the message going on here. As well as the the blue and clearly the red playing off of Jedi and Sith, it's just it, it's it's a very stark reminder, or it should be a stark reminder to Kylo that if you want to be this big badass dark side motherfucker, this is what you'll end up being. Yeah, and you know he he's got a little piece of it. You know he's got his little face scar from. The initial fight on in yeah, TFA. He's, he's not but, missing half his head yet. Yeah, he's not <laughs> he missing half his like head. A, he's got all of his chunk limbs. out of his skull <laughs> or his lungs or his limbs and yeah, it just is. I mean, the comment that the Tanju put is perfect. Don't let my mistakes become yours. And yeah. we've screamed this through and through for this new sequel trilogy. Is like, what? Who the fuck? Has not told Ben Solo yet that uh, Darth Vader was a fucked up version of his grandfather. Exactly. Like, who fucked that lesson up? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened. If there was just panic in his upbringing and they were like, just give him to Luke and Luke was panicking already. But yeah, I mean, that's a big thing is to, to leave out the truth of Anakin Skywalker as a as a Jedi and as a as somebody who redeemed himself at the end is the most important parts of Anakin it, it just seems journey. it just seems common sense like if you, if you notice your kids going down the dark side path and they're Skywalker and they're idolizing Darth Vader you'd be like oh hey ho whoa whoa pal hey hey i get it you're young you're going through puberty but but let me uh clear some things up for you first off your grandfather was a fucking psycho, but in the end, guess what? He's the one that ultimately allowed the rebellion to win because he decided to come back to the light side of the force. So you should just go ahead and forget about all that dark side bullshit that he got into and realize that he ultimately came back to the light and that's how he ended his life. Exactly. Okay? Thanks. See you, Ben. Have fun playing with your uncle. Yeah, I mean, this this shot perfectly encapsulates the duality that we hope to see in Kylo and that we did see in Vader. Um, so, yeah, fantastic shot. At Tonju, T-O-N-N underscore J-U on Instagram. 
top-notch work, my friend. Uh, next up, I loved putting the shot in here because this is the first shot we get in the top five uh, that is focused on Star Wars Resistance. Yes. This is at Force Dad Photography, bringing in the Star Wars Resistance figures. We have a, a three-shot. We have... Uh, Sonara it's Kaz wanted... and his babes, man. Yeah, Kaz, Sonara, <laughs> Kaz and, and his lady loves. So, I mean, this is really, it's a really fun shot. It's the first time we really get to see the figures uh, from Star Wars Resistance. They show that Matt and I are both huge fans of. And like you said, this is the two people that he's kind of being pulled between right here. Tora Doza and Sonara the pirate. Um, I think it's really fun. The way that it's staged makes it look like it's on the Colossus, too. I don't know if this is like a diorama of the Colossus. Oh, or no, I, I can together. tell you what this is right here. I mean, he's got GTP space walls on the top. Like, those are actual panels that you would see in a Death Star. Yep. Okay. Um, the background, this may be the inside of an At-At toy. Okay, okay. Uh, but but here's, I mean, honestly, what drew me to this shot initially, Nick, obviously I love Star Wars Resistance, but... These are three and three quarter inch figures. So these are the the, the, the tiny guys and girls. I oh mean, wow! They're, they're literally could fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, they have almost no articulation. Uh, so I I always appreciate people that can take these Star Wars figures that are literally three and three quarter inches tall, with most of the time no movable joints. You can't bend their elbows. Can't bend their knees. All you can basically do is turn their head. They're they're essentially Lego minifigures. Wow. Okay, uh, that is very impressive. Right. So so when you can elicit an emotional looking shot as this one does from Force Dad, I tend to think these are more impressive than if you took a a one twelve scale figure or even a a one six scale you know super duper expensive Star Wars Barbie and took a shot. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's a really fun shot. I'm finally, you know, able to put in a resistance uh, shot in the top five. I'm super happy at Forced Ad Photography on it. Right, because I mean, at this time, Nick, you're gonna, you're, you're probably gonna have to buy my first uh, six-inch Star Wars resistance figure, because the only one revealed at this point is gonna be the uh, Pyre figure at, at yeah. uh, Disney Batu. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Galaxy's Edge and Right, because they, they haven't announced any Black Series figures for Resistance yet. And again, Black Series, that is our the higher-end figures, typically of the 6-inch, 112-scale variety. Yeah, so th again, like this is throwing some spice into the typical mix here. We have the, uh, the smaller scale figure. Moving on to the next entry here, we have a fantastic trooper shot from at toy hosa right. and what i really like about this is just the action orientation of this shot like it's a trooper shot and he's like vaulting himself over yeah. over yeah. a tree branch and not only that like in the foreground and in the background there are also troopers posted up this is clearly in the heat of a battle you have some some red uh some red tones going on to show the blaster fire you even have a blaster bolt being shot out of the the gun of the trooper that's jumping over Again, Matt, you are the the professional trooper identifier. Can you can you pick out the kind of trooper that this is vaulting over the tree? Yeah, so that is your that's your tank commander, I believe, first featured in Rogue One. Uh, then I believe he's flanked by some shore troopers, also yep. featured in Rogue One, which just goes to show you Rogue One easily 
provided the coolest looking fucking stormtrooper uniforms to date. Yeah, the shore trooper is by I far. Mean, dude, I mean, fantastic. fucking shore trooper, death trooper, the 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 tank troopers here. I mean, Rogue One, for all intents and purposes, is the definitive trooper film. Yeah, hundred percent. In terms of getting the different varieties, flavors of troopers, and, and creating three new awesome designs, but. I mean, Nick, the, 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 I love this type of shot because I've said this before. I love shooting outdoors. I prefer natural light, natural effects, practical effects, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, this, honestly, is probably a twig laying on the ground. Yeah. Uh, he's probably got the figures propped up with some sort of wire or figure stand. Uh, I, I would assume that is real smoke. If not, it's it's added in post. Uh, but I, I just, as you said, I love the action feel to this. I mean, the the, the posing is done very well. Uh, but it's just the, the environment, having figures in the background that give you that kind of contrast between the foreground figures in the background, laying down the twig to simulate a tree being fallen so this, the trooper can vault over it. it. It's just a fantastic shot. Yeah, I mean, all just, around. It's just great all around. All around. Very fun shot by Toy Hosa at toy hosa and then we come to this motherfucking thing here this last one i fucking love this so this is a lego shot from at lego star wars tom this this should be a mural like i want this to be uh, you know 20 feet wide yeah like this should have been down in my basement or something yeah like if this was massive on the wall at star wars celebration like this is just fantastic what the fuck is this what we get is essentially like just a full imperial scale shot we have an at at in the front we have two atsts flanking on the side we have two troopers on dewbacks right next to the at and you got three tie fighters flying overhead and what is a beautifully color saturated shot i mean you have the the golden hour, you have the sun coming up, you have the beautiful skyline in the back, and then even the reflections of the orange sky within the puddles on the ground. Oh, I mean, like it, it's, everything it's about this. Like, is- hey, Tong, Tong, I, I, I think you listen. Uh, if not, hopefully you're listening now because we, we told you you're in the show and what time to listen. <laughs> is this real? I know. Like, like uh, uh, did you did you shop these Legos into the scenery, or did you actually go out and shoot this? Either way, I don't care how you got it done. This thing is majestic. Like, yeah, this is a majestic looking Star Wars toy photography shot. It, it's just like like I said, th- this should be a poster. This should be a mural. This should be on my sixty five inch TV as its screensaver. I don't give a fuck. This is like as Nick and I always say. I mean, this this is some motherfucking art with Star Wars toys. In fact, with Star Wars fucking Legos. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen. Just because, like you said, <laughs> it like the his original caption, the ever impressive Imperial War Machine in its full glory. Like this is this may be the most glorious shot I've ever featured in the top five of the Imperial uh, War it's, Machine. It's like, something else, man. I mean, it, like I said, if this is photoshopped or if this is real, it doesn't matter. It doesn't take anything away from this. This is a perfectly composed work of Star Wars art. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff here. And um, fantastic work by At. This is the a long, a bit of a long handle. At Lego underscore star underscore wars underscore tong 
on Instagram. Give him a follow. Give him some love. This is a beautiful top-notch shot. And I do want to throw out one. Matt, you posted a very fun. I didn't put it in the top five, but I'm going to call it out because it's right in front of me. I think it's fun. You posted a, a Kylo Takes Hollywood shot on your Haywood Pop account, and I thought that that was a super fun shot. So, Oh, my, my egg attack. Yeah, the egg attacks are, are interesting because egg attack figures, they're, they're kind of like a hybrid of an action figure and a Funko Pop. Yeah, I thought it was super fun, man. I mean, I don't know how you did and he it. He is again, like no, it's I was literally laying on the Walk of Fame taking that shot. Really? Like that, that's uh, all real. Yeah, like that's, that, that's literally yeah. in Hollywood. He's standing on Harrison, Harrison Ford's Ford. star. Yeah, and yeah, Dude. that's just me not giving a shit and people looking at me saying, "What the fuck are you doing? Get out of my way!" I mean, people are like walking over me. I was literally <laughs> laying on the Walk of Fame to do that one. Dude, and it, like it's so fun. I was looking at like when I saw the shot come up in my personal feed, like I just saw I follow Matt's account. Obviously, I looked. I was like, "Holy shit, man, that's really fucking cool!" And then like the background that you caught in it, and then seeing like you can see part of Harrison's name on the star, like super fun shot here. And um, it's old. Like I mean, a lot of times, and this just goes to show you how much I suck at processing shots. That shot's two years old. Really? <laughs> and I just just shared it this week. I mean. Uh, I've gotten better as a photographer since this shot. Yeah. I just like the over, like the overall posing. But then again, like you go, what, three shots forward and you have a beautiful shot of the, uh, uh, what, what's the, the Kenobi, what's the name for the Kenobi from uh, uh, the, the mythos, mythos, mythos Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Mythos Obi-Wan, beautiful shot that you have there. So I just wanted to point that out. Cause I mean, we, we never talk about Matt's toy photography Thanks, on the buddy. show, but you know, I, I, I kind of hate it, but it's I'm a, a super human. So, I'm a human, so in the end, when people say nice things about me, I'm gonna like it. Let's be real, people. It's just like people on Instagram, like, oh, why do you care about the likes? It's like, well, why the fuck are you on Instagram then? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody is out there. Get if you're the fuck out of here, things, yeah, get yeah. the fuck out of here. Like, it's okay. It's okay to want admiration and, and recognition, yeah. people. It's okay. Look, as much as Matt and I like talking to each other for three hours a week just about Star Wars bullshit, like we also like when you guys comment and say nice things or say mean well, things. Well, or we say anything. we <laughs> like that more than us talking to each other. Because, yeah. I mean, we do this all the time. Yeah, and those we're pieces... Not, we're not getting the feedback, but it's been increasing, my friends. So yeah. as, we, as we wrap this episode up, I'm, I'm going to put that call out again. Keep that shit up. It it, it does help us. It, it gives us ideas. It gives us direction. It, it, it just lets us know, are we entertaining? Are we delivering what you people want to listen to? Because uh, in the end, yes, will Nick and I do this even if no one's listening? Probably. But we'd st- we still want to do the best we possibly can. So the only way to do that is to let us know. Say, hey, this sucked. This was great. Or it's all great, and then we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. So keep it coming, my friends. But it is, it's that time. It's that time of Star Wars time. We're going to have to wrap things up. I know. Don't get sad. Your friends are leaving you, but, but we'll be back. I don't know when we're going to be back because I'm leaving on a vacation tomorrow. Or when you listen to this, already be on vacation. I'm bringing my microphone. I'm bringing the one that makes my mic go where I could just be talking like, hey, Nick, how you doing? Oh, my God! <laughs> like that, but it was just easier to bring that. So if we do decide to talk while I'm on vacation, you're for damn sure my stem's going to sound all sorts of fucked up. But I'm bringing it because that's what a Sith would do. I can't leave unprepared. 
but what I'm trying to say, people, we're not going to have a special topics cast next week. And we may delay the Friday cast, but only time will tell. But the only way you'll know, the only way you'll know is if we lose our schedule, is if you're a fan and you're following us on StarWarsTime.net. And you're subscribed on iTunes or Spotify or TuneIn or all the other ones, Stitcher, YouTube. I mean, there are no excuses left for you outside of saying, hey, guys, you fucking suck. And that would be a valid excuse. <laughs> we would totally accept that. We totally accept the you fucking suck excuse for not listening. Outside of that, we don't accept shit. So get with it. Get yourself tuned into StarWarsTime.net. Fire up those browsers. Add a bookmark. Do what you got to do. Because you know your boys are going to be bringing you the Star Wars knowledge week in and week out. And sometimes we may even be talking about stuff that's interesting. Most of the times, we're going to be talking about stuff that's stupid because we're dumb. But that's how we roll. That's why Star Wars time is something you need in your life. All right, people. Enjoy the week. Keep being great fans. Keep those hashtags coming on Instagram. Hashtag Star Wars Time Show at Star Wars Time Show. You know how we do it. We got your backs. Until the next time, may the Force be with you. Always. (laughs) Always.